Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome in to Bet to Win. The Blue Wire Studios, the win, Las Vegas. I'm your host, Joe Fan. Big show for you today. We've got the NBA playoff update as we do each and every show. During this first round, as it continues, some series coming to an end, some series roll on, potentially headed toward Game 7s. We've also got my guy, Will Blackman, in studio, former NFL DB and Super Bowl champ to talk all things NFL draft. But first, I have a victory lap to take. Won a couple of winning picks in a row. On Monday, I had Blue Jays money line against the Red Sox at minus 120. I'm back to 500 for the month of April. I get one more pick, this being our last show of April, to get over 500 for the month before we wipe the slate clean and start anew in May. Anytime you can bet the Blue Jays at a decent price, I'm going to feel good about it. They're one of the best teams in baseball, and their lineup hasn't even woken up yet. They're minus 130 in the money lines, depending on when you are listening to this on Thursday. Minus 130 against the Red Sox with Alec Manoa on the mound. Could very easily run this bet back. It is not my winning pick, though, for the day. We'll get to that at the end of the show. Haven't been betting the NBA much because I sort of just want to let my futures ride. And let me tell you, your boy's feeling good about his 25-1 to 1 ticket on the Boston Celtics. There was one team that didn't win a game during these playoffs, and that was the Brooklyn Nets. The odds-on favorites going into the season to be in the finals, the Lakers and the Nets, not one of them won a playoff game. Celtics finished the sweep. They win 116-112 in Brooklyn in game four. Jason Tatum, 29-3-5 in the closeout game. He was unbelievable. I mentioned going into this series, I thought that he had the most to gain of any player in the playoffs, specifically talking this first round, sharing the court with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. He was probably viewed by most as the third best player in the series. Well, he was the best player in the series. Going through his numbers, he was outrageous. 31, 4, and 8. 19, 6, and 10 in game two, but some clutch threes down the stretch as he was clutch in the fourth quarter throughout this series. 39, 5, and 6, and 29, 3, and 5, despite fouling out early in that fourth quarter or midway through that fourth quarter on a just brutal call from Scott Foster's crew, who it's like they got the the call from Buffalo Wild Wings, hit the button and said, we got to get Jason Tatum out of this game to make this series go five. The Celtics closed out regardless. And you got to give love to the role players. Grant Williams, this two-way stud all of a sudden, who was a knockdown corner three-point shooter and was a KD stopper for much of this series, kind of taking on this P.J. Tucker role, honestly doing it better coming off the bench. Peyton Pritchard was clutch. In the fourth quarter, Marcus Smart, we knew he's obviously a great defensive player, just one defensive player of the year. But now, not just a guy who can make a three, but a legitimately dangerous three-point shooter. Top to bottom, I loved what I saw from the Celtics, feeling really good um, about that ticket. The road is going to be tough. The Bucks are next, the reigning champs. Talk about Tatum. Now he gets to share the floor with the reigning uh, NBA Finals MVP. Game one is Sunday. The Celtics are four-and-a-half-point home favorites. Should be an epic series. And this is an interesting wrinkle because at the end of the season, last day of the year, the Bucs rested everybody, lost, conceded that number two seed to Boston to avoid the Nets. Well, they avoided the Nets. But now that Boston has swept Brooklyn, they also have home court in this series uh, against the Bucs. Should be a tremendous matchup. Again, game one Sunday, Bucks four and a half point favorites. Um, also on Monday... The Raptors win again. They were down 3-0. Now it's 3-2. They're going back home for game six. 
They won convincingly in Philly. 103-88, the final. They were plus eight dogs, and they went outright plus 270 on the money line. That series now 3-2, and you got to imagine, butts are getting tight in Philly. They looked so good in games one and two and so pedestrian in games three, four, and five. They could easily be down 3-2 in this series, given that game three went to overtime. It took a heroic Joel Embiid three to beat the Raptors on the road. Um, they've been handled these last two games. And it's so bizarre because when they're cooking, the Sixers team is so much fun. They look like they can beat anybody. They got that big four. But Tobias Harris has cooled down. Tyrese Maxey has cooled down. James Harden, largely a no-show. Sleepwalking through this series. You look at his numbers. Uh, his best game of the series was 22-5-14 and 14 in game one. And that was the game Tyrese Maxey exploded for 38. But since then, 14-6-6, six, 19-6-10, six, 22-5-9, and 15-2-7, void of any clutch moments or signature moment in this series as he is conceded and taking a back seat and riding shotgun to basically everybody else in that big four with Tobias Harris, uh, Tyrese Maxey, and of course, Joel Embiid. That's just not good enough for a guy who came into this series and said, I don't feel pressure. You should. You haven't done anything. He hasn't been to the finals yet. And now your big man, your star big man, has a torn ligament in his shooting thumb. And you still continue to be passive. I mean, those counting stats, as much as he touches the ball, none of those stats impress me, especially when so little of it comes in the fourth quarter. Talk about how disappointing KD and Kyrie were. James Harden, should they find a way to lose this series, would be... Far more disappointing than either of those two in Brooklyn. They probably still get it done, but Doc Rivers knows how to blow a 3-1 lead as an NBA head coach. He's got the third worst winning percentage in history in closeout games where his team is trying to close out the series. Butts are getting tight. Going to Toronto for game six. Uh, Mavs dominated the Jazz 102-77. One of the most embarrassing performances I've ever seen. The Jazz were three of 30 from three. Just a putrid shooting performance. And also just their defense has been horrific throughout this series. Their perimeter rotations are bad. The Mavs can get into the paint. I mean, you talk about Jalen Brunson, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Luka Doncic. They can get two feet in the paint whenever they want. Zero resistance from the Jazz. It feels like at this point they're coming home for game six. Maybe they find a way. Maybe they find a way. But there's no way they win two in a row, including a game seven in Dallas. The Mavs going to pull the upsets after being huge underdogs at minus 300, or sorry, uh, plus 300 to win the series going in with Luka missing games one and two and three. Um, on Tuesday, we go through these quick. The Heat uh, closed out the Hawks. Uh, Bam Adebayo had a nice game, 20-11-4. Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry didn't play. It didn't matter. Trey Young, a woeful series from him. A lot of stars no-showing in round one. Trey Young in five games had games of with eight points, nine points, and 11 points. He shot under 30% in all three games, a testament to the Heat's defense. Um, and you look at the Heat's route of having to go uh, Hawks, likely the Sixers, maybe the Raptors. And, you know, then conversely, where the Celtics are going, Nets, Bucks, and will likely play the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, a much easier path for Miami. Uh, the Grizzlies win a thriller at home. No surprise, the T-Wolves blew a double-digit lead late in the second half. 
the Grizzlies could easily be closed out in this game if the if the Wolves could close out. Ja Morant, 30-13-9, including a ridiculous dunk over Malik Beasley. One of the coolest posters that we will ever see or have seen in quite some time. Uh, I want to give some love to, love to Brandon Clark. Go Zags. He's a Zag fan. Love to see Zags do well in the NBA. This man's got 13-12, and 13-3, and 20-8, and 15-5-4, and, and then just in game five, 21-15, and 15, with tons of clutch, clutch moments down the stretch. This is a guy who's replaced Steven Adams in the rotation. Steven Adams played 24 minutes in game one. He's got a combined seven minutes in games two through five, which makes sense. It's a bad matchup for Carl Anthony Towns, where Brandon Clark, former first-round pick, gives you that athleticism and size to go out and cover Cat on the perimeter. Um, he has been huge. Talk about guys no-showing. Jaron Jackson, where are you at? He's been invisible largely. 12-4, and 16-7, and 6-7, and 7-6, 12-5 and are his stat lines. I know the defensive numbers have been good when he's been on the floor, but he's in foul trouble every game, and he hasn't shot the ball well enough for a $100 million man. Suns uh, take a 3-2 lead against the Pelicans. Uh, 112-97, they covered the six-and-a-half-point spread. Even without Devin Booker, they win this one comfortably. Uh, it's been Chris Paul largely carrying this team, but we saw McCall Bridges show up 31-5-2 in this game five. I love seeing role players show glimpses of their potential. And McCall Bridges is one of the coolest role, role players in the league. First-round pick, obviously an elite kind of 3-and-D guy. He was a finalist for the Defensive Player of the Year. But he exploded for 31. And you see, again, when the usage goes up and when Chris Paul and Devin Booker and everybody's healthy, DeAndre Ayton, there's just not a lot of usage on a game-to-game basis there. He's, you know, he's like, what, an 8-12 to 12 point kind of guy throwing your defensive numbers, even with the big minutes. But he carried the Suns in this game, again, with 31 points. Uh, on Wednesday, the Bucks closed out the Bulls. Kind of fascinating. Chicago battled games one and two in Milwaukee and then got blown out in both games at home. And then again, in game five, 116-100. That score makes it even look closer than what it was. Uh, Giannis, 33-9-3, and three, the reigning finals MVP, is cooking again without Chris Middleton in the lineup, who remains out with a knee injury. Um, and then you got the Warriors closing out the Nuggets. They didn't cover the eight and a half. Uh, Jokic was a, uh, was a beast, 30-19-8 and eight, um, in the final game, doing everything he could. You're a Denver better. You won that bet. Credit to them for battling after getting blown out uh, in games one through three. But the Warriors move on. Regardless, they will await the winner of the Wolves and Grizzlies series. Uh, before we get Will on Thursday, game odds. Sixers are one and a half point favorites on the road in Toronto. Game total set at 210 and a half. The Sixers lead the series again, three to two. Uh, Suns are minus two favorites at the Pelicans. Total set of 215. Uh, Mavericks at the Jazz. A pick'em total set at 210. All three of those series at 3-2 with the Suns, Sixers, and Mavs trying to close out uh, their opponents here in round one. And then on Friday, Grizzlies, they're one-point favorites at Minnesota. That total set at 229. The Grizzlies lead the series 3-2. Uh, that could easily go seven. Uh, updating conference odds and championship odds, we can go through them all. But to me, the Warriors right now, they're, they're the favorites at 3-1. Celtics all the way down to three and a half to one. So again, your value on a ticket means nothing unless it cashes. But I am loving having that 25 to one ticket on Boston. With that, let's bring in our guest, my guy, Will Blackman, back in studio. 
here at the Win Las Vegas, former NFL corner and Super Bowl 46 champion. Spent a decade plus in the NFL. Now he's part of our Blue Wire family. You can follow Will on Twitter at Will Blackman, also at IG or on IG at the same handle. Will, what's up, man? Welcome back to Vegas, brother. Listen, I'm just I'm like cooking up a tweet because something just happened. What happened? Um, so, got breaking news here as we're recording the show. Well, it's just more. You know me. I I tweet more about like my thoughts. Yeah, and I'm I'm not a big small talk guy. Okay, right. I I can like if we're gonna have an in depth conversation, let's have an in depth conversation. But I'm not a small talk guy. Okay. And um, being from New England, Patriot fans, they love small talk. Yeah. Like so, specifically Patriots fans? Specifically Patriot fans. They love small talk. What do they want to talk about? Just anything. Clam chowder, the Boston Tea Party. Just, any, just where, you know. Whatever. My point is, I was just in a long elevator ride with Patriot fans. Okay. And I was getting a lot of questions that had nothing to do with football. Like what? Give me one. You know, like, like I don't know. You going for a run or what are you looking up? Or, you know. Yeah. That's, what kind of bag is that? Do you like those shoes? Do you like those shoes? Those I, New Balances love, you're rocking I right now? I love these New Balances. Yes. Well, you, you got a workout coming, but first we got to talk about this draft <laughs> that's happening here on the Strip in Las Vegas. Do you get excited for the draft now, post-career? How locked into the draft are you before the draft, learning about prospects, the storylines, all that, and then also just when it comes to the three days of the draft? Yeah, I get into the draft more so from a like front office perspective, right? Um, because if I, if I were to do anything, let's say I was going to go work back in football, um, I wouldn't coach. I wouldn't, I would, I would do something more executive front office. So I like to see the moves that teams make based on where they are in terms of uh, their team's position situation, you know? Like, is there a team that's a couple of starters away from propelling themselves to Super Bowl contenders? Is there a team that is, starting from the very, very, very bottom and they're completely rebuilding from scratch. So I like to see those type of moves when it comes to draft day. And then sometimes, right, I, I usually have guys that I do train uh, every year. I don't have anyone this year, but in the past I have had guys that I've trained. So that, that's cool and exciting. Uh, we'll get to some of the storylines this year, but, but first I want to talk about your experience back in 2006. What was that like? You know, with the 115th pick in the 2006 NFL you draft? Read, you got to read all that, man. The Green Bay Packers <laughs> select Will Blackman. Defensive back, Boston College. Dude, it was the longest day of my life because, so, you know, you get draft uh, projections. And this is, this is true. My draft projection was one through five. I was like, then you must just say the whole draft. Yeah. It was one through five. Especially when that spans three days. No. Well, back then, they did like the first whole, they did like, it was day one, day two. Oh, it's just good. Yeah, that's right. Oh, it was a long ass day, Joe. Like absolutely insane. So it's funny because I knew I actually visited the Steelers. They had the 32nd pick, I think it was. And I, I visited them and they looked at me at receiver. And so I'm like, okay, there's a chance that could happen. They end up getting San Antonio. That worked out, obviously, for them. And then it's just a long day. I remember I, I was at my house and then I just went to a hotel because I was like, I need like a break because this is a long day. And it's not so much where you get selected. Obviously, it's a big deal. It's a huge financial uh a situation where you get selected, but it's who gets selected before you. That's where that's where a lot of guys get like, uh, it gets super interesting because you're like, who are you bitter about? I want to say it who was, got picked before you that you was, still know. You got like it's like it's Billy Madison and that guy's got the names on the wall. I want to say like I was bitter here. Okay, it's my fault though because I played three years a corner. 
And then I played my senior year as a receiver. So it was kind of like, he's really good at one thing. He's good at nothing, but he's not, he didn't master it. So I knew like I messed myself up with that. But there are a lot of guys who I went head to head with and I won those battles. Name drop. I won those battles. Go full MJ Hall of Fame speech. I'm where not he going, just full, I'm not going full MJ. At the end of the day, it was myself, Antonio Cromartie, and Jonathan Joseph. We lasted the longest. We both, I, th- I did 12. I think Crow did 13. I think J. Joe just finished at like 15 years. But do you have guys who were drafted ahead of you who had shorter careers that you're like, hell yeah. I'm, you. No, not like hell yeah, but it's kind of like a little bit of a last lap. Yeah. You know, pettiness is okay. Well, I'm not We're here I, for pettiness. I, I'm not here for, I'm not going to bash somebody who didn't play longer. <laughs> I don't mean bash, but it's going to no, no, feel but good. I, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to give them the reminder. I got it's you. It's already hard enough. Fair enough. What was, what was the pre-draft I might, process? I might need to sell them wine one day, so I don't want to say Yes, it. <laughs> sir. Smart man. Businessman. You're, you're wine concierge. Will Blackman. What was the pre-draft process like for you? The, having played wide receiver, having did you work out at the combine at both spots and both days? Yeah, so it was it was pretty wild because so my senior year where I played receiver, uh, had a really cool year, made all ACC receiver of my first year. I had Matt Ryan's my quarterback, so that helped. That a lot. does help. Yeah, the ball was like on the money every time. Um, but when I got the call to go to the Senior Bowl, I went as a corner, and I haven't played corner like in a whole year. And then I went to the draft. I mean, excuse me, I went to the combine. As a receiver. So it was crazy. And then after I did the whole receiver workout, they pulled me to the middle of the field when everyone's gone and done. They said, does anyone want to see Will do defensive back drills? And I remember Bill Parcells stood up and like raised his hand. And then Coughlin raised his hand. Everybody raised their hand. So when everyone's gone, I'm on the turf by myself at the combine doing defensive back drills. Just That's Bob- pretty dope. It was dope, but it was a long, it was a long day. Um, the interviewers were tough. Oh, I got a crazy combine story. I love I got, it. I got I, two. I want okay? them. I want both of them. So there are two teams that were high on me. One of them was the Kansas City Chiefs. Like I for sure was like, okay, I'm probably going to the Chiefs. So I met what uh it was Herm Edwards and Gunther Cunningham, um, recipes coach Gunther. And I remember I'm sitting in this chair and you heard like crazy interviews and what have you. So Gunther, Coach Gunningham gets up to me. He's like, what, if, what would you do if you were in a club and a guy walks up and he puts his hands on you like this? And he's just, she starts choking me <laughs> in the chair. And this he, is during a combine interview. This is during a combine interview. Like in the, yeah. He starts choking me. In, in those the, little hotel rooms. In the little hotel room. He starts yeah. choking me in the chair. And I just start busting out laughing. And I was like, I said, guys, I can't take you serious. He's like, but what would you do? What would you do? I was like, as he has his hands on me, I said, I, I guess I'll call the authorities. I was like, I don't know, like, like, what do you want me to do? And I, literally, just like this, the way I'm laughing is how I was laughing during that interview. And they Football were like- coaches are so weird. Oh, it's so weird. But apparently I heard Mario Williams like knocked him to the ground. So that's why they, I don't know, he was the guy. But I just, I was laughing as hard because I knew it wasn't a real situation. Yeah. You know, because I was like, well, how should I answer it? Oh, I'll kick his ass. And then also now I'm in trouble. So it was such a tough answer. Okay. Uh, tough thing to answer. The other one was I met with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. And they uh, were look, talking to me about corner and specialists. And I remember as I'm talking to the special teams coordinator, I look over to Coach Marv Lewis. And he is knocked out. Like just 
passed out. Snoring. Yeah. Knocked out. And I, I look over to him. I'm like, well, I'm not probably going to Cincinnati. Yeah. <laughs> that guy didn't care even a little bit. And that's why they never won any playoff games. Had they drafted you, maybe. Hey, man, you never know. This this, this streak would have broken before I, Joe I Burrow thought it was super up. disrespectful. I was like, I know it's a long day, but you have an interview scheduled. You think that's yeah. fair? Yeah. That would qualify as disrespectful. That's, oh, big time. Big time. Oh, so, yeah. So here we be in Vegas for this year's draft. We've got the red carpets in the Bellagio Fountain, which is wild. The, the um, you know, block off the strip is where the theater is. Right. Everyone glorifies getting your name called, giving the bro hug to Roger Goodell. But for a vast majority of prospects, yourself included, it's, it's, I'm assuming, a much more anxious process, and you are waiting, and right. you're just hoping. So, like, what is that wait like? What is the the fun to anxiety ratio? Are you Were you just at a house party with your folks and some some people over? Did yeah. you have a big party? I just had a small, intimate group. It was just okay. my my family, my brother, my sister, my dad, my grandma, cousins. That's it. It was just super low-key. I didn't want a lot of things. I didn't want a huge party. Especially, like I said, then it was such a... A long day. And I've seen, I watched every single draft and I've seen people who had parties and, you know, party kept going and they never got drafted. The day was over and then they had a, hey, you know, loaded up again the next day. And I didn't want that because I did not know where I was going to go. Yeah. I had no idea. And at the end of the day too, I only had a few people in my in my circle. And that was just my family. I'm, I'm a huge homebody family guy. So, um, yeah, I, I just kept it low key. Do you have a good temp to Ted Thompson? Call story. So it was. It wasn't even Ted that called. It was uh, George Koontz, who was like the. I think he was the player personnel guy. He used to play for them, but he called me. But yeah, it's funny. I'm I'm at the hotel because I left the house and I I get a nine I get a nine two zero number, and I was like Green, Green Bay, Wisconsin. I was like, oh shoot! I said I'm going to Green Bay, Wisconsin. I, I so here's what's funny. There's nothing in Green Bay, by the way. There's absolutely nothing. Hardest place to get to. Hardest place to get to, but the coolest place to play. But here's, For sure. Here's the thing. I never talked to Green Bay. Never. I never, not one call. I actually know. I take the back. I got pulled over in the hallway by the receiver coach. Like, like the senior bowl or something or the combine? It was at the combine. And he asked me to draw up some routes. Yeah. And then that was it. That I, was it. It drives me to the pre maybe the most like exhausting pre-draft conversations is, X player met with X team. It's like, this is a four-month process. They're going to talk to everyone at least once. Yeah, and then and, I, did, a lot and of times, I did the senior bowl. Matter. I did the senior bowl and the combine. So I talked to everyone. Yeah. And it's, you know, like pulling Holly. But here's the thing too. I had a choice of receiver or, or defensive back. Yeah. So I remember I, got, I met with the Falcons in the hallway. And he was like, man, we really like you as a receiver. Because I'm like, well, I want to know what the vibe is. Yeah. And he's like, we like, we like you at receiver. Um, you know, did you have a preference at that point? Like, were you not, hoping to no, play one or the other? I did not have a preference. It was like, whoever drafted me as whatever, then Got that's it. what I'm going to play. Like, yeah. I didn't really care. So, I remember Atlanta was like, hey, man, like, we, we like you at receiver. So, you know, if you're there, you know, after, we'll probably grab you as an undrafted free agent receiver. Okay. When he said that, I was like, F that, bro. I'm yeah. playing corner. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if this dude thinks... This dude, I said, I'm getting drafted. I don't know what he's talking. He thinks I'm going to be a free agent receiver. I was like, there's no way. So after that, so right then and that, I made my decision. I told everyone else, they said, what do you want to play? I said, corner, corner, corner. I told everyone corner. Ever since that Atlanta guy told me I'll be a free agent receiver, I was like, that's what people are thinking? I was like, then screw that. Like, yeah. then I don't want to go as a receiver. For sure. 
So you get drafted in 2006, but you have a decade plus of watching drafts as an active NFL player from yeah. home. What is that like for guys who are already in the league? And, and probably take away your superstars who know that their money, yeah, you know, they're, they're uh, as Marshawn would say, their chicken is, is all good and right. taken care of. You have, you know, most guys on every roster are replaceable in a given year. No and doubt, they yeah. are drafting your replacements every yeah, year. Yeah, I was so, a backup my first four years. I mean, do you yeah, remember a specific guy who was drafted? You'd be like, oh, well, there's potentially my roster spot. Or, I mean, how do guys already on the roster handle this weekend? Yeah, well, I never been in a situation where uh, we drafted like a first round corner or whatever. I always had, I was always, I want to say like secure, but I was like the returner. I was the special teams guy. Yeah. I did a lot on all those phases and I knew every position in the secondary for the most part. Um, my only issue was I wasn't healthy a lot. So it wasn't so much of, I never looked at it like, oh, like who's going to draft who? I was so, I was so focused on me, what I was going to do. But as a team, I mean, we were in a situation where we were always a couple of starters away. Like I mentioned earlier, like it depends on where you are as a team. Because we had Favre and then we had Aaron Rodgers. So we were, we were good at quarterback, you know, for a long time. And so it was a matter of just getting some weapons. We got that. Greg Jennings was in my class. Um, and then getting some linemen. We, we got those guys. And so just watching the draft every year, you just, I was so focused on making sure like my body was right and healthy because I, those are things I can control, yeah. you know? Um, and so if they brought somebody in, I'm like, yeah, all right, it's go time. Like, let's compete. Yeah. Let's, let's rock. Because that's that's how I got to where I was. I was at uh, dinner last night with my buddy uh, Cameron Smith, who does stuff for another network. And he asked me questions about, like, do I ever reflect on the journey and how was it? And I was like, I just always embraced this competition. You know, I, I never I never worried about what someone thought. I was like, okay, if this person here, they want to compete, then let's just, let's battle. Let's compete. You know, so that's, that's how I looked at it every draft. If they bring corners in, then it's my job to do my best. Was that the norm, though? Like, did most guys handle it that professionally? Most guys or were did there not guys the, no, most who guys were super in their heads about it? I, the norm is guys that were in their heads. Yeah. I think that's just norm in society, right? You, yeah. you, you see, you know, you're, you're working for a company. You see someone else getting promoted. You see people bringing in new people, um, you know, bringing a new CEO. And he has a, he has a clean slate on looking at everybody. Yeah. You know, you look at, Let's look at the Giants. They have a brand new general manager. Yeah. And everyone's like, hey, you know, they should trade. Who doesn't know anybody Who doesn't on that know? roster? Anything. He didn't pick not one yeah. soul. So everyone is auditioning. Yeah. Everyone's auditioning for the for the uh for Trump, for Joe. Everyone is. So that's why it's like you just you just never know, you know? And I was fortunate because when I was drafted, Ted Thompson, I was Ted's guy. I was his guy. And even with me getting hurt, he did everything in his power to give me the most opportunity to thrive. And, and a prime, I'll give you one example. In 2007, I broke my foot a second time. And they said, hey, it's, it's a break, but it's still somewhat healed. So he can either have surgery or if he lets it heal up, maybe like six weeks, then, you know, he should be okay. And I like begged Ted Thompson. I was like, please do not put me on injury reserve. And he was like, nah, dude. He was like, I trust like you'll heal up and you'll be good. You'll be good to go. And then I actually healed up and, and had a, had a good rest of the season. But I do remember 2010 when they did release me, I never seen any emotion from him the whole time I was there until that day, until that day. That's got to feel good. I was like, I saw Ted T like cry. And I was like, that's crazy. I think it's 
interesting when we talk about veterans potentially getting feelings hurt and egos bruised right. during the draft. The first thing that comes to mind is the Packers who have a reigning MVP or I guess about to be an MVP, but uh, been an MVP before, a couple pieces away, running a little playoff team, haven't been able to go over the hump. And they draft trade up to draft Jordan Love in the first round. And then when you've got Aaron Jones in the roster, draft a running back in the second round. You know, it is hard to fathom sometimes how cute teams get when you feel like it shouldn't be that complicated. Yeah, I mean, again, <laughs> you get a new GM, right? And he's, he's, he's trying to prepare for the long haul. You know, that was his whole deal. So, um, I mean, but he, he, has, he has a whole arsenal of picks today. It's going to be really interesting yeah. to see what Green Bay does. I saw Aaron Rodgers actually retweeted, like, the actual draft. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, what about this team? Is any team or storyline you're most excited to is the first round starts Thursday. It obviously will go through Saturday, all seven rounds. Is there any discourse that you've enjoyed? Any discourse you're tired of, storyline you're exhausted of? What do you think of the quarterbacks, you know whether I was, they get drafted or not? I team was, you're looking forward yeah. to pick any of that. I was real tired of hearing Jet stuff. Yeah. Like, sick. Like, it was just all of my timeline. I get it. They got two in the top 10, whatever. Like, it was all of my timeline. And so yesterday, I was like, you know what? I'm going to jump into Jets' Twitter space. I want to <laughs> hear these guys and women speak. So I jumped in there. And it was actually probably one of the most civil Twitter spaces I've ever been in. Okay. And... And it was, it was cool to hear everyone's perspective. Damian Woody always jumps in, uh, former Jet, former BC guy. And it was cool to hear. So, again, from a front office perspective, I'm so curious because Joe Douglas has a really good track record of what he did in Baltimore and what he did in Philly. Um, and when they hired him to the Jets, I was like, okay, this is, he's exactly who they need. So he has some, he has some, Interesting, interesting decisions to make here that's going to either help propel them or keep them exactly where they are. Uh, I'm also good friends with, you know, Robert Sala. Uh, so I am, I am curious to see what moves he makes because I respect him as a, as a football mind. So I'm, I'm, I'm watching him to see what he does. Um, and then I, I want to see what Kansas City does. They got two picks, you know, at the end of the first. So I'm super curious. What quarterback goes first? Where does he go? Man, I, it's, it's probably, you know what's funny? I, I spent some time with Desmond Ritter. Um, we were, actually, it's funny. We were on a bus. I was with Desmond Ritter. I was with Carson Strong. Um, and I was with, um, I think Kyle Allen was on the bus too. So we drove to this this one party in, in Bel Air. And I, I, I really- Thanks for the invite. That sounds I, cool. I'd love to be there. <laughs> it was well, it's funny. <laughs> it Aaron, was, yeah, sure. No, it was cool. Sick Aaron, party in Bel Air. Well, Aaron Rodgers walks in. Then Brett Favre walks in. It's, it was the craziest. It was the weirdest yeah. part. Anyhow, and he he was he was so cool, Desmond Ritter. Like I just loved all anything about him as as a quarterback. Like when people say, "Hey, we need an adult as a quarterback," yeah, like he checks that box. Yeah, like he's somebody that I would want to lead um, my team. So I think Desmond Ritter could could sneak up there up there somehow. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Seattle has nine, and they could be looking at a quarterback maybe. But I'm hearing Carolina loves Pickett. So, yeah, Pickett. Kenny Pickett will be the first quarterback picked 
Okay. Even though he has small hands that everyone keeps talking about. That's the storyline I'm sick of. Small hands. The hands discourse. In terms, I remember with Jared Goff a couple years back. And you're like, oh my gosh. Let's move on. There's got to be something more to talk about. <laughs> my guy, Will Blackman. Welcome back to Vegas, man. Enjoy your week. I know you're going to be kicking it with Chris Long. Uh, during the first round, you guys are live streaming. Again, follow Will on Twitter and IG at Will Blackman. Will, appreciate you, man. Thanks, as Yo, always, for your time. Anytime. I love what you do, man. Appreciate you, brother. Good stuff. Always love chatting with Will. He's going to be kicking it all weekend long for the draft here in Las Vegas. Uh, let's give away some free money. I've got a winning pick, and then we'll get out of here uh, and let you enjoy your weekend. We got WinBets Bet 10 Win 200 promo. Still rolling. New WinBet users can receive this promo. $200 in free bets after they make their first qualifying deposit and place their first bet on WinBet. Once your bet is settled, you'll receive four installments of $50 free bets. Go to winbet.com or download the WinBet app for official rules and details. Winning pick time. Told you top of the show. I'm back to 500. We're battling here in April. Four and four is the record. I'm going back to the diamond. Padres, money line, minus 104. Almost even money against the Reds. This is sort of an autoplay. The Reds have been woeful. Not only have they lost 13 of 14, they have lost on the run line in all 13 of those games. You can get the Padres at minus one and a half at plus 161. It's a wise bet given where the trends have been and how bad the Reds have been. I'm going to play it safer. I want to end with a winning record in April. I'm just going to go with the money line, but you can take your pick there. Tyler Molly has been dreadful so far this season. He's one of the best pitchers now. He is the ace, uh, the de facto ace on a depleted Reds team. Uh, but he's been terrible. 6.88 ERA and a 171 whip through four starts. You look at Cincinnati's lineup, they're dead last in weighted runs created, and their pitching staff ranks 28th in batting average and balls in play and 22nd in K rate. So they are neither striking anyone out nor getting anyone out when uh, bat is put to ball. Give me the Padres who have been hot even without Fernando Tatis to open the year. And with that, it's going to do it here. Uh, thanks to Will Blackman for joining me in studio. Hope all of you enjoy the NFL draft. We'll be back next week to talk all things NFL draft and what happens over these next three days and all seven rounds of NFL draft madness here on the Las Vegas Strip. Until then, enjoy your weekend. We'll see you on the other side right here on Bet to Win.